Welcome to the Destiny Leaders Podcast, where we are dedicated to developing the leader in you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Destiny Leaders Podcast. I'm Phil Brassfield, and your host today, and I'm joined in the studio with Jared Moss, who is part of the Destiny team, also a staff pastor in a church nearby. Jared, welcome. Uh, so glad you're here today. Hello. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's it's so many exciting things happening around Destiny uh, this year, and uh, we're believing God for your very best year this yes. year. And at Destiny, we're committed to uh, developing the leader in you and helping you realize your potential and be all God's called you to be. And so, Jared, there's so many exciting things happening this year at Destiny. I mean, exciting stuff. We've got our annual conference coming up in June. Of course. It's going to be our 20th anniversary conference, and it is going to be huge. Yes. It's just going to be great. So excited. Yeah, and uh, excited about you all coming. So save the day. You don't want to miss that. Uh, this is also probably the best year ever for you to get involved in Destiny Leadership mm-hmm. Institute, whether uh, you're an alumni and, and you want to encourage other people to get involved or whether you want to launch a, uh, a study center at your church or whether you're just uh, a lay person out there who's wanting to know more about the Bible. Uh, The fact is we all need a strong foundation in biblical understanding, and the beauty of Destiny Leadership Institute is it also allows you to study in your local church and serve, and you're an alumni, so you're like the poster child for Destiny Leadership Institute, right? Well, I hope so. It's it's a... Hopefully a handsome poster and it looks like a good advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's changed your life, right? Completely. Yes, sir. Completely. Completely changed my life. Well, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today without DLI. It was the vehicle that got me into that portion of my destiny. So. Amen. That's cool. That's cool. Well, and I know there are many of you listening, uh, both DLI students and alumni and churches that would uh, support that same idea that, that Destiny Leadership Institute has had a great impact in your life and in the leaders that you're training. And so let this year be the year that you say, hey, I'm going to start. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a course. I'm going to take a core one, a core two, and get involved. We'd love for you to do that. There's so many other things uh, going on at Destiny that it's hard to, to get them all listed in a podcast. But And I encourage you to go out to destinyleaders.com and just check it out. See what's out there that you can plug into. There's the Writers Collective if you like to read. And, and though there are contributors from all around the network, people that are offering their insights in various biblical studies and leadership issues and church growth issues and all kinds of things like that on the Writers Collective. You can download Destiny. I mean, if you get lonely and miss us, you can download it right on your smartphone. And so you can hear the podcast, you can you can access the website, all that stuff right from your smart, smartphone by simply downloading the Destiny app. And so I encourage you to do that. Wow. So there we are through the commercial part. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, what we've been discussing for the last couple of, uh, of sessions. Uh, we've been talking about giants. You yes. ever had a giant in your life? Definitely. Too many to count. Oh, my too goodness. Many to Me too. It uh, seems like every time God wants to do something great in my life, that the devil puts a giant in the way. Immediately. It's like, you know, I mean, we talked about that last time, in the last podcast, and how David was anointed by Samuel as the future king mm-hmm. in chapter 16 and chapter 17. Guess what? Boom. The giant. There's Goliath. And it seems like that's been my life story over and over again Mm -hmm. and how when God gives me a a great word, maybe that great service or something that's really a watershed moment in my life, like this pivotal 
incredible moment of promise. And then the next thing that I deal with is an obstacle or right. a challenge. And uh, we talked about that in the last episode and what the intent of, gi- of giants are, how they're designed to intimidate us and try yes. to try to get us to surrender our destiny without a fight and, and try to sow a lie into our heart that we believe. He did all of those things to David. and uh, But today we're going to talk about how David overcame Goliath and the lessons that we can learn uh, through that story. Perhaps one of the most iconic stories in all of biblical history Definitely. is this encounter between David and Goliath. And you know, a lot of people kind of feel sorry for David. You know, I mean, I have all my whole life. It's like this poor little guy, and here's this huge giant that's so big and yeah. so intimidating. And at, on the outward appearance, that would seem to be true. But you know, there's a couple things that from the history of the story that really bring it into focus. And if you like that sort of stuff, you really need to read Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. I mean, my, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, he, he's a great writer. He wrote Blink. He wrote The Tipping Point. He's really not a Christian writer. He writes about how businesses have uh, you know, various things going on in their structures that need to be developed. And he's kind of a cultural scientist. Okay. But he talks about the uh, the battle between David and Goliath, and in his context, he's talking about small companies competing with big companies, wow. and how often smaller companies are more effective in engaging markets than big, cumbersome companies are. It's very interesting read, yeah. and so you might want to read that. Some of this information came from his book, but the interesting thing about it is David was the modern day equivalent of a sharpshooter. Really? He was a slinger. I mean, so he was, I don't mean that in any, I didn't say he was a swinger. (laughs) He was was a slinger. Yeah. Right. Uh, He was a, he was an expert with a slingshot. And if you study history, you'll find out that in those days you had cavalry, cavalry, I'll get it out right. You had horses and chariots. Right. Uh, You had heavy infantry Mm. in the military in those days. And you had um, artillery, which would have involved archers. Okay. People shooting bows and arrows and slingers. Really? And there were major battles. The Romans write about it. The Assyrians document it. There were major battles that the tide of the battle was turned because of the incredible accuracy and the deadly nature of those slingers. Wow. Uh, the Roman slingers could hit a target sometimes 200 yards with really? lethal force. Absolutely. Uh, Malcolm mentions some of the research in his book, and he talks about the fact that a slinger and a stone – at say a hundred or less yards could hit an object with the force of the power of say a forty five caliber handgun. Oh my goodness. I mean so it's it's incredible the power these people had. I mean the is the ancient Israelites could knock a bird out of the air with a rock from a sling. So we kind of get this sense of how great Goliath was and how pitiful David was. Yeah. But the yeah. fact is David knew exactly what his capabilities were before he walked into the valley. Wow. And uh, and he knew that if he would stay mm-hmm. at a safe distance, that the giant could not. He had no power. Over. So Goliath is almost 10-foot tall giant, right? Right. He's wearing this huge armor. He's got this incredible staff that's got a, a, you know, a spearhead on it. So he's got this spear a jav- or a javelin. Yeah. yeah. He's got the, uh, the sword. He's got all this armor. He's got a, a man that's carrying armor ahead of him. Yeah. He is deadly up close. If he could get his hands on you. That's it. That's it. 
Wow. But if you stayed away from him, wow. he was no match for a sniper. And Whoa. that's essentially what David was. David was the modern-day equivalent of a sharpshooter or a sniper. Wow. And so uh, so Goliath didn't know it. But when David stepped into the valley, his days were, I mean, his moments were numbered. Right. Because David, from a distance, knew that he could do a whole lot more damage. And he had no intent wow. of getting close enough to that giant. Think about what the giant said. Come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Come to me and I will do this and I will do that. And in other words, he knew he had to get David in close. Mm. And isn't that how the giants are in our life? Yes. I mean, they're, they're seducing us to get close yeah. enough so that they can, you know, they can do great damage to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the stories we can, or one of the takeaways that we can, is remember to keep your giants well past arm's length. Wow. <laughs> Don't get close. Right. You know. And rely on your gifts and talents and abilities. And that's exactly mm. what mm. David did. And so David picked up five smooth stones. Saul tried to get him to fall into the trap of hand-to-hand combat, assuming yeah. that's yeah. how it should be done. Yeah. David refused, saying, I can't fight this giant right. hand-to-hand. I've got to deal with it from my gifts and my skills. So he went into the valley, picked up five smooth stones. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is how bodacious is this, right? He didn't pick, I don't believe he picked up five smooth stones because he thought he might miss four times. Wow. Goliath had four brothers. Wow. They were all giants. Wow. <laughs> if you read the story later on, you find out Goliath had four brothers. David, this young man was so bodacious. He said, I'm going to come into the valley and I'm going to get you and you and you and you and you if wow. I have to. He went in prepared to get them all. And man, that ought to encourage all of us who face giants to be yes. ready to, with your skills and the abilities God's given you. Yeah. That you can literally not just take one giant down, but you can take the whole family of giants Whoa. down. And they do often come in families. And so let's talk about the four things. I think there's four things that I see in David's life that we can learn from to help us overcome the giants we face. Mm. Because it's one thing. Last last session, we talked about what giants are there for. Now let's talk about how we overcome them. the four things that I think are keys to overcoming the giants in your life. The first thing is I think you have to understand that you have a divine purpose. Mm. You know, uh, David, when he was talking with his brothers and they were ridiculing him because he was saying, y'all shouldn't let that guy talk about our God like that. Right. I mean, you shouldn't let him do that. Is there not a cause? In other words, David was driven by a passion for a purpose. Wow. And I think one of the most effective weapons we have to overcome obstacles Mm. and barriers and giants in our life is to realize that God has given us a purpose. Yes. So we have a purpose. And that purpose is born in the heart of God. And giants are defeated when we have a sense of purpose or a sense of a cause that's greater than the threat Mm -hmm. of facing the giant. It's an understanding that God's purpose for your life will increase your confidence that it's God working in you. Mm. You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it's God working in you both to will and to do for his good service. I love those two dimensions, both to will, that's your want to, and to do, that's your performance. Wow. So he's dealing both with your desire and your ability in that passage. And Paul says it's all God. David understood. He says to Goliath, the battle is not mine. The battle is God's. And he understood that whatever he did in that valley through his natural gifts and abilities was going to be anointed by God because God had a purpose. Yes. Amen. You've got a purpose in your life, Jared. I mean, we we all do. The truth is we all have. And I know how your purpose to develop. But talk about your purpose for just a second. 
Yeah, you know, I decided at a young age, essentially, after I came to Christ, like, I just became driven by this idea, I have got to tell the world about Jesus, you know, that young, ambitious zeal, you know, everyone's <laughs> going to listen to me, and I'm going to change the world, and, uh, you know, through programs like DLI and understanding how the church works, I realized really changing the world begins with changing yourself, and then changing your community, and changing maybe in your church, but every day, I have to say, Dr. Braswell, I wake up uh, both with a purpose to lead people to Christ through the conduit to the local church, and then that niches in really to the church I'm planted at, the river, and then it niches into the youth ministry, which is the main ministry that I captain right. and lead. And so I, I've I've really led this ministry, this little sphere of influence God's given me from this area of purpose going, you know what? Thank God for maybe the 30, 40 kids at the church, but let's even think beyond that. What about mm-hmm. the schools? What about the basketball teams and the choirs and the bands? And 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 there's so there's such a great harvest field. That essentially the way we pray as a youth ministry, it's like, man, if there's people out there that need the Lord, then we aren't done yet. And I think that that degree of purpose is what drives us onward. And I have to imagine that same desire and that idea of purpose is really what drives anyone in any area of any ministry or uh, really any calling God has for them. That's kind of how purpose is defined for me every day. Yeah, amen. And I think that passion for that purpose Mm -hmm. will help you overcome those giants. Wow. It will cause you to charge into the face of something that's bigger than you, uh, an obstacle that you know that you are no match for, but yet your confidence that God has called you. And I know you've heard me say before, and I believe it, that your destiny is a whole lot more like a seed to be planted than a door to be opened. Wow. And so this whole concept of, of of purpose is not this one miracle, wondrous moment yeah, where you yeah. suddenly realize that you're in your purpose. It wasn't that way for David. Wow. I mean, David is learning about mm-hmm. God. He's developing a relationship by himself back mm-hmm. with the sheep out on the backside, you yeah. know, the back 40. Yeah. And then he eventually has the anointing of Samuel. His purpose is evolving. Wow. And in that evolution of purpose, there are giants yes. that stand in the way. Yes. And David had so much momentum coming into that valley with Goliath because he says, I've killed the lion and the bear in the wilderness. Wow. I know God. I have I'm I don't have to run to the corner and pray through right quick and I don't have to <laughs> fast forty days and nights. So I've good. been ready for this encounter for a long time. I didn't know when it would happen, but here it is. And that sense of purpose that yeah. was his driving catalyst that created that momentum that evolved from the, the sheepfold into the, the the presence of a prophet where he received the anointing right. into the valley where the Victory was won, mm-hmm. and, and Goliath wasn't, frankly, he wasn't David's only giant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you study David's life, he had lots of giants. He was just getting started. Just getting started. Wow. But the momentum of purpose, mm-hmm. that's what I would you know, put in your heart. Mm-hmm. The momentum of purpose carried him through those moments wow. with all the ob- obstacles that he faced. I think the second thing I see about that is that he also realized that there was a spiritual promise. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't just, oh, yeah, I want you to do this and that. That connected to his destiny from God, God equipped that purpose with a promise. Wow. You know, God makes a promise. Yeah. A promise is a promise. Yeah. I mean, the promise when it's from God is not a promise you made to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I promised myself. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. That's kind of the power of positive thinking and self-help. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what the kingdom's about. Yeah. It's not making a promise to yourself. It's mm. God making a promise to you connected wow. to his purpose. David had a purpose, mm. but God had given him a promise. And the promise was not a promise he'd made to himself. It was a promise God had made to him. 
And so that promise was important. I mean, he walked into the valley with confidence because he'd just been anointed to be king. He knew there was a destination and a purpose and that God was the one that made the promise. And I just tell you today, if you're listening to this podcast, that it's fine for you to feel like you have a sense of purpose. And that's wonderful. And it's a critical component. Mm. But you have to realize that when that purpose is from God, that is a de facto promise. Wow. And the one who gives the promise is powerful enough to back it up. Wow. David was convinced when he says to Goliath, the battle's not mine, but God's. He was relying not only, not just only on his divine purpose, yeah. but he was relying on a promise God made. Yeah. And we see that echoed in the Psalms. Of course. When he writes those Psalms, he talks about the faithfulness of God. He yes. talks about, you know, the God who's been able to deliver him out of the snare of the fowler yeah. and out of the, I mean, so much uh, is echoed in the sentiments of the Psalms that David writes about yeah. that faithful God who, once he makes a promise, you can count on it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we also see so many Psalms where David has these moments. You can tell as a human, I love the humanity that's recorded in the Bible, where a man of God that at one moment had that sort of faith in the promise of God can in the next be like, where are you, Lord? But you can always tell his GPS always navigated back to that sense of promise. Mm -hmm. It's like we have those moments of like, I don't know, I don't get how, I'm not sure, but yet, and it's like that's the way they always steer back for David. The ship always steers back into this, but Lord, you said, and so therefore it will. It's like the Lord has wrote this check and I know it's going to cash because I know how big his bank account is. And I'm always encouraged reading <laughs> this life, especially listening to this conversation now. I'm reminded, man, the check's going to clear. Like God said it, it's going to happen. I love that. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when we're confronted by a giant like David was and the children of Israel, the the, the, I mean, the, the, the militia of Israel was in the Valley of Allah that day. I think, and we're all confronted by those. I think there's that tendency, if we're not careful, mm. to say, God, where are you at? Yeah. Yeah, naturally. And that, even the enemy, you know, I'm defying the armies of Israel, but they were really saying, like, where is God? You know, you trust this God. Where is God at? Wow. You know? And we can kind of buy into that where That's our it. default setting is to ask why God wow. instead of saying, God, I don't see the way through the valley. Right. I don't see how this is going to happen, but I trust my purpose and I trust your promise. promise. Wow. And it's those two things and understanding how they're different. Mm -hmm. The purpose is who I'm gifted to be, who God's plan for me to be. Well, that's the purpose. Yeah. But what's the difference in it and the promise? The promise is where God says, I'm going to back that with the power. Wow. I'm going to give you that destiny, but I'm going to equip you. I'm going to, I'm going to resource you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do, I've given you my name. My promise is wow. at stake. It's my name at stake. You know, David would later say, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. sake. Yeah. You know, David writes the 23rd Psalm toward the end of his life. Really? And so when he's writing, when you think about, think about the 23rd Psalm yeah. in the context of this aged king yeah. who now is reflecting over the kingdom. Yeah. He's reflecting over the moments, maybe that those Goliath moments. Wow. A moment where a son, Absalom, wants to destroy you and yes. take your kingdom. Your yeah. own son. Can yeah. you imagine? He's reflecting over the moment of moral failure when he when he lusted after Bathsheba and had a child out of essentially out of wedlock, mm -hmm. committed murder. murder I mean, yeah. he's got to be looking over that kingdom as he's older. And he said, Man, the Lord has been my shepherd. Wow. The Lord has been my shepherd. I I haven't wanted, even though I've been faced with a thousand giants, 
I haven't wanted. And so he eventually says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his. All the while I was making mistakes, mm. all the while I was struggling with my giants, mm. it was God's name that was on the line. Yeah. Why? Because God had made the promise. Wow. It wasn't a promise David made. It was a promise God made. Wow. Amen. That's that. That blesses my heart today. Oh man, I, I'm, I came to church. <laughs> Bless That's worth the admission today. charge. <laughs> <laughs> I think the third thing, therefore, I think the third thing that I see is David relied on the sovereign power. David knew he had the skills and abilities to hit a target, mm-hmm. but he wasn't convinced. He, I'm probably that the power that he had in himself could kill the giant. Sure. He knew it was God's power. Sure. And when he says that, that the battle is God's, he was essentially saying, okay, I have a purpose. Yeah. And you're standing in the way. Mm. And God's given me a promise. Yeah. So I'm relying on God's power. Power. Wow. And I think one of the tactics of the enemy is to try to get us into the valley through the confidence we have in our purpose and our and our promise, but then to get us to shift to try to rely on our own abilities, mm-hmm. our own power mm. to produce the victory. And that's kind of, in my mind, it's demonstrated when Goliath says, come to me. Yeah, yeah. Come to me. Get close to me. You know, that that being confident, always remembering that that we're all just a few bad decisions away from disaster. Wow. If it's not for the power of God. You know, David relied on the sovereign power of God. Mm. He says it this way to Goliath. He says, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. Mm Mm-hmm. And by de facto, the rock and the sling. Right. Yeah. In other words, God doesn't save through natural means, elements yeah. and natural means. He says, then they'll all know that God doesn't save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Mm. David defeated Goliath because he understood this critical truth, and you can too. David was no more capable then than we are today. And God wants to show himself strong for you today. I'm not sure what the giant is that you're facing, but I can tell you this. He is not greater than the God that's on your side, that's got your back. Mm. And that is a fact, Jack. As you famously <laughs> like to say. As I famously I like to say. Yes, sir. The giants we face cannot stand against the power of God. They may intimidate you, but they don't intimidate God. Wow. God is not afraid of your giant. Wow. He is not. He's not wringing his hands. He's not staying awake at night. He's not fretting over it, thinking, oh, my goodness, how is this going to work out? Yeah. No, there are no panic. My dad used to say there are no panic in heaven, just plans. No mm. panic in heaven, just plans. Mm. He will use our abilities, but the battle success is not dependent upon them. Yeah. And we have to settle that in our mind, that the power belongs to God. We still serve a miracle-working God. Wow. Amen. So we have a purpose. We have a promise. God has the power. And let's wrap this up. The fourth thing I see is that when we when we understand those three things, it can change our perspective. And how many have said before? I know I've heard it. I'm sure you have, too, Jared, that it's all in the way you see it. Yeah. Perspective is pretty much everything. Yeah. Perspective is the vantage point from which you view a situation. Yes. That's what perspective is. And it changes. I mean, and we're sitting across the desk from each other, and that's one perspective. But if you walked across the room, you'd see the same me, but from a different perspective. It's your vantage point. And I think our default vantage point is fear. 
really. By nature. Yeah. Yeah, by nature. I think human nature is is we tend to look at things through the fear of how's it going to affect me, fear of what's going to happen, wow. p- fear of what people are going to think, fear of criticism, mm-hmm. fear of rejection, those fear. And it creates a lens through which we view the circumstance yeah. that's based totally on our, us and our own abilities. So true. Yeah. And I think the thing that David had is he had a faith perspective instead right. of a fear perspective. Wow. You know, I'm reminded even now, Doc, like in, the, I believe it's the Proverbs, one of those Proverbs that I love, it talks about, it's, you really, the whole point is about not being lazy, you know, and being a good steward. And there's so many Proverbs and so much wisdom on that. But there's one specifically, I can't remember the exact reference right now, but that says, you know, the lazy person won't go outside and he says to himself, there's a lion out there. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's so yeah. funny sometimes. There's a lion out there, you know. Yeah. You can just imagine somebody hungering under their covers in their own bedroom go, I can't go out today. There's a lion. And yet look at David. David's like, oh, a lion. Oh, that was child's play. I already took care of that. And it's like, that's, that is perspective. That's perspective at work. How many times will we not even leave the comfort of our home, you know, to, to do something? We won't leave the comfort maybe of our church office, or we won't leave the comfort of what's familiar to us to take care of something that will really bring about the promise of God. Whenever some people that have history with God, like David are like, you want to talk about a lion, I already took care of the lion. You know, this is now this is the next. And I think that's that's so indicative of what you're talking about, that perspective. Absolutely. How you see the lion. Such a great uh, analogy and so true. The fact is, if it weren't important, why would God again and again and again in the Old Testament say, remember, wow, am I not the God who led you out of Egypt? Am I not the God that fed you in the wilderness? Am I not Jehoshaphat when the hordes of Midian were coming? Remember, he got the whole nation together or ones that were close enough to Jerusalem to get there. And he did this whole prayer. Well, God, are you not this? Did you not do this? Have you not delivered this people? Have you not? Now we are being attacked by these people are you in other words it that perspective that yeah. reflective perspective wow. where faith becomes more than a mirror so many people use faith like a mirror right they they're looking at themselves through the lens of faith mm-hmm. constantly examining well i'm not this i haven't mm-hmm. prayed enough i haven't done this enough and constantly evaluating themselves in the lens of faith faith ladies and gentlemen was never designed to be a mirror it's designed to be a window God designed it to be a window where you look out to the world of God's possibilities in terms of what God wants to do. It was never designed to be a mirror where you just, through fear, evaluated yourself. So many people struggle with with their righteousness because they're constantly evaluating their performance based on, and, and their faith is predicated is is not a perspective of faith, but it's a perspective of fear. And David didn't have that. David, you know, our perspective is everything when we're battling giants. In the case of the children of Israel, if you remember, they faced giants going to the promised land. And what did they say? We look like grasshoppers to them and to us. Yeah. They see us. They said, they see us as grasshoppers and we see ourselves as grasshoppers. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like the whole perspective defined and literally the wrong perspective caused them to die in the wilderness and miss their promise, though they were on the brink of a breakthrough. Wow. They were on the brink of crossing the Jordan and experiencing all that God had for them. And instead of seizing that moment through faith and said, like Caleb and Joshua, God said, do it. It's God's battle, not ours. Instead of doing that, they relied on their abilities and died in the wilderness, and it would be a whole generation. So we have to learn to stand in faith and see things through faith and uh, and understand that so much of our life will be defined 
by what we overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to think our lives being defined by what we achieve. Yeah. But my dad, in his dying days, his last days, taught me a lesson. Here's a man who had pastored for 50 years, wow. built buildings and paid for them, built wow. congregations, done missions all over the world. I mean, an amazing achiever in the kingdom. My dad was a great preacher. Mm. But he'd had a stroke, and for six years he'd been an invalid toward the end of his life, oh, the last wow. six years of his life. Yeah. And uh, in the last year that he died, um, I went in to see him one day, and uh, he'd been crying. I said, you know, I'm trying to lighten the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, naturally. <laughs> I go in and say, Dad, what's up, man? What's going on? And he looked at me through those tears, and he said, I finally got this whole thing figured out. I said, well, I've been waiting a lifetime, you know, tell me. Wow. Speak to me. Yeah. And he said, when we get to heaven— we're not going to be known for what we achieved, but for what we overcame. Wow. And I thought, wow. So maybe it won't be how many campuses did you have or what was the size of your Sunday attendance. Maybe wow. the crowns are going to be passed out in heaven based on the things that were obstacles in your life that you overcame. Oh, that's so good. And it changed my whole perspective on life. And and I just, as we wrap up today, I, I, I encourage all of you who've listened today that don't let the enemy convince you mm-hmm. that that giant is, not, is just wasted time. That yeah. detour was just a moment where it's like, man, what was that about? Right. Well, it was about you standing in faith. It was about you relying on your purpose and the promise of God learning to experience the power of God through the obstacles you face. Mm -hmm. And God is committed. That promise is sure. He's got a promised land for you. He had a kingship for David. Mm -hmm. It was part of his destiny. Mm -hmm. But there were a lot of giants that he faced. And, I mean, part of me, looking back on what Dad said, wants to kind of thank God for the giants. Yeah. I mean, they weren't fun experiences at all. No. And some of them I still twitch (laughs) when I think about them. But the fact is that God brought me through them. And I thank God for every struggle Mm -hmm. because it made me stronger. And it made me more able. And and so I just encourage all of you who've listened to this. And if, if there's more that you'd like to participate in this whole process, then I encourage you to go out online and download the Bible study. Take the 30 day victory challenge with us. Decide that you're tired of those giants confronting you and holding you in bondage and intimidating you and decide that God has a destiny for you and a purpose for you and uh, and join us in this Bible study. 30 days uh, of victory, 30 day victory challenge online. You can do that and download it at philbrassville.com or Mm destinyleaders.com. Jared, thanks for joining today. I'm going to pray. Yeah, I'm going to pray for us today, and I want uh, you to pray with me, and we're going to pray for these that are listening today, that God will give them the courage and strength to get the victory over the giants they face. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this wonderful audience who's joined us today. And Lord, though we don't understand everyone that's listening, you do. Mm -hmm. You know every heart and every mind that's tuned to this podcast. And I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit as they start this new year, 
Lord, that it would be a year of destiny for them, that it would be a year of breakthrough for them. Lord, we pray and believe that every obstacle and every barrier that's trying to challenge the promise of God in their life will be brought down in defeat. Lord, I pray that you will give them the wisdom, the abilities, anoint their gifts and skills and talents, God. But Lord, in every encounter with opposition, help them to understand that you have a purpose for them and you made a promise to back it up. Give them the perspective of faith. Help them to rely on your sovereign power. And Lord, develop them toward their highest purpose in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Be sure and visit us online and we'll talk to you next time on the Destiny Leaders Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Leaders Podcast. If this episode has inspired you in any way, we'd love for you to take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like a copy of today's notes, visit destinyleaders.com forward slash show notes. You can also sign up to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox when they are released. Join us next time as we continue to develop the leader in you.